welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Um, I'm going to read you something off of my cell phone that I just happened to bring with me today. Um, I was at my favorite muffin just a few minutes ago getting a little breakfast sandwich, a really good place for breakfast. Um, And I wanted to read you something that I believe the Lord wanted me to specifically tell you before we get into the message because it's right along, along the lines of the message. We're talking about three words on Sunday morning right now. Faith in love. All right. Those three words change your life, especially when the storm clouds are coming in and the bad doctor's reports are flying everywhere. Faith in love is one of the most powerful things that you could believe in. Love will not let you down. And if you have great faith in the love of God, faith because God is love, then you're going to make it. You're going to make it through everything and anything. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Have great faith in the love of God and you'll overcome everything. But you're going to have to retrain your brain, like I said earlier. You're going to have to start developing in, uh, what, how do we say it? Learn to receive things from God you don't deserve. You're going to have to learn how to do that because that's not the way we were brought up. We were brought up, you, you work for it, you get paid, you earn it, you get you know, your debts. Well, here's what the Lord told me to tell you. He wants you to get out of this message, faith and love. He says, I want my people to quit being afraid when bad news comes their way. I want to show you a scripture that he gave me on that. Psalm 112, verse 7. I want my people to quit. And show it out of the King James, please, if you can. <clears throat> I want my people to quit being afraid when bad news comes their way. Anybody hearing any bad news? Think you might hear a little more before it's all over? What should our stance be? Not afraid. Why? Because love won't let us down. Oh, come on. It matters. The greatest thing is who are you clinging to when these things happen? So Psalm 112, verse 7. I want you to notice here in Psalm 112, verse 7. The Bible says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Who? The one whose heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Now, we found out in the previous messages that God is love. So could we say it like this? His heart is fixed, trusting in the love that God has for him. Who's not going to be afraid of evil tidings? Who's not going to be shaken when you get a doctor's report and they say, sorry, no hope. Cancer's too far spread. Who's going to not be afraid of that? Who's going to overcome that? Who's going to not be afraid of that? Somebody who's heart is fixed, trusting in love because God is love. You could say, you could substitute the word Lord, God for love all through the Bible. And God said, I don't want my people afraid anymore when bad news comes their way because bad news is coming your way. Whether concerning you or the world around you or the economy or whatever, bad news is coming. 
but we're not afraid. Why? Because we trust in the Lord who happens to be love himself. Here's something else the Lord told me to tell you. He said, I want my people fully assured that I will not let them down while they're believing in my love for them. I want my people fully assured that I will not let them down while they're believing in my love to help them get free. And you guys, if you're believing that God is the reason for some of the bad things that are happening in the world and some of the crazy things and destructive storms people call acts of God, oh, just, do you realize there's a devil and there are demons and they hate you and they want to do everything they can to stir up bad weather, accidents, whatever, to hurt you and destroy you. Friend, that stuff is not coming from God. God allowing stuff and God wanting stuff is two totally different things. The Bible says love works no ill to his neighbor. God is love. God works no ill or illness to anyone or he'd be violating his own word. All the ill and illness in the world is not the work of God or the will of God. Well, but if he doesn't want it, he'd stop it. Friend, he doesn't stop people from going to hell. Come on, it's not a matter of what God wants. It's what are we going to believe with what he said. Now listen, many people have a hard time having faith because they have a hard time understanding the love of God. These are things I just got a few minutes ago that I wanted to share before we get into the rest of this. Listen, church. The more you understand how much God loves you, the more it makes you mad to hear people say he's got you sick for some reason. I'm going to say it again. The more you understand God loves you, the more mad you get at people who think God wants you sick for some reason. Love works zero ill to his neighbor. All the illness in the world is not the work of God or the will of God. It's time we put the blame where the blame is due. Don't blame God. He's trying to get you out of this mess. Some people are acting like there's no devil and there's no demons. They're not resisting anything. They're not rebuking anything. And then they wonder why they have all these problems they can't overcome. Do you know the scripture says, submit yourself therefore to God and that's not enough? If it was enough, the next phrase wouldn't be there. Well, I love the Lord and I'm submitted to God. Are you doing the next part? Well, no, but I'm submitted to God and I love the Lord. Well, you better do the next part if you don't want to be eaten up by the enemy. Submit yourself therefore to God, comma, resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you're not doing any resisting, no wonder there's problems and bondages lingering in your life. Put your foot down, child of God. Use your authority in Christ. He paid a great price to give it to you. Use it. Look that disease in the face and say, you're stopping today. No more, no worse. You are leaving. Get out in Jesus' name. Now, I don't know if you realize that we're supposed to follow the Lord. The Bible says, you know, follow him. Like Peter left all and followed him. He said, the works I do shall you guys do also and greater works because I'm going to my father. One time Jesus was asked by the, by, the, by the friends of his, Peter's mother-in-law was sick of a great fever and she was delirious and he looked at her and he didn't pray. You know what Jesus did to get her healed? It says he rebuked the fever. It doesn't tell us the exact words he used, but it was something like this. Fever, get out of her right now. Yeah. 
That's a rebuke. Are we supposed to follow him? What if there's something in your body that needs changed? Rise up, realize you're not only human, use the authority of God in the name of Jesus and expect results whether you see any or not. Because we are not of this world. We don't think like this world. We don't talk like this world. We are from another world. We look for a city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. We are passing through this temporary life. But while we're here, we're going to live in victory, appropriate the blood of Jesus that he provided for us, and we're going to see deliverance and help as many people as we can. I I don't want to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you have been doing some rebuking in the last few days or some resisting? Because if you haven't been, the enemy is working behind the scenes in your life. Oppression. Sometimes you just got to say, stop it. But it's running your family. Well, I'm in a new family now. Family of God. And depression doesn't run in that family. Well, you're not worthy. You've sinned. That's where mercy and grace comes in. Shut up, devil. I can still be healed. But you didn't read your chapters and go to church faithfully. Shut up, devil. Jesus blessed sinners. He blesses me. Too late. I already got scripture for it. Many people have a hard time having faith because they have a hard time understanding the love of God. It becomes absolutely ridiculous to you to think that God maybe teaches people with sickness once in a while when you realize how much he loves you. Yeah, but I learned something great while I was sick. doesn't mean the Lord sent the sickness. It just means you didn't start learning until you got sick. Sickness is never God's way of teaching. It's man's way of learning. If we wait till things get really bad before we start getting serious in God, serious reading the Bible, serious going to church, that's our choice, not his method. Sickness is not God's way of teaching. It's man's way of learning. And man can learn whenever they're ready to learn. Resting in the love of God to not let you down is as powerful as it gets. What's power? The Hulk? What's power? The rock? What's power? What's power? Power is resting in the love of God when all hell's viciously swirling around you and you're just in total peace knowing he won't let you down. That's as powerful as it gets. Resting in the, you know what we need to work on? We need to work on realizing we don't have to work for the blessings. Say this, I'm working. I'm not working. I'm going to believe what he said. I'm going to get that through my head. Get it down in my heart for a brand new start. Listen, finally. Oh, I just said that. I was ahead of myself. So turn with me to Mark chapter 11. And I want you to notice one verse here. Verse 22. Jesus is explaining to his disciples how to get supernatural results like he had been getting. He had been speaking and demons were coming out. He had been healing the sick. He'd been raising the dead. He actually spoke to a tree and told it not to bear fruit anymore. And it dried up from the roots supernaturally. Jesus spoke to an inanimate object. That object hurt him just like that fever hurt him. And it obeyed him. And the Lord said, now I'm going to teach you guys how to do this. 
Would you please say this with me? This will help your faith. I am not only human. If you were, you're not a child of God. You didn't have to say that part. If you were only human, then you couldn't be a part of the family of God. Because the family of God is way beyond human. Now you're part human, I'm part human, but you're not only human. The world teaches you your mind and mud, right? It's physical and mental. God teaches you are a spirit and you have a mind and you live in a body. You're a three-part being, not two parts. And the most important part is the spirit part, which you need to be very aware of and taking care of, feeding, nourishing, developing. You know, it's more important to get a Bible education than a college education. I didn't say college education wasn't important. I said it's more important to have a Bible education than a college education. Because I can show you tons of people with eight years of higher learning who have no idea how to resist the devil when he attacks. Have no idea that they could curse a cancer and make it leave their body. Have no idea they could rebuke mental oppression and it lead their lives. Yet they've got 10 degrees. Fine, have those degrees, but don't, don't educate your brain at the expense of your spirit. Jesus said, my words are spirit and their life. They will feed you on the inside, the greatest part of your life. All right. So he said in Mark 11, verse 22, right after he'd spoken to a fig tree, read verse 21. Mark 11, 21. And Peter calling to remember it said unto him, Jesus, master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, only I can do that. You might as well just get under the bed and hide, you little earthling, you, you little worm, you. No, he's right here teaching them how to get results like he got results. Are you ready, church? Look, he said it starts with having faith in God. Well, since it starts there, let's just don't read any further yet. (laughs) Okay. If it starts with having faith in God, let's just camp out here for a second. What is he talking about? He's talking about having faith. And a father who cares for you more than you care for your children to help you out, to empower you, to to equip you, to bring you up to places you can never get to yourself. See, a lot of people think, well, faith in God, I believe he exists. That is the beginning stage of faith in God that he exists. Anybody want to go past? I believe he exists. Anybody want a nice, intimate, powerful, deep relationship with the Lord? So keep this in mind. Did they put it up on the screen? Mark 11, 22. Have faith in God. Everybody say this. Faith in God. God. Say faith in God. God. What is that all about? It's a million times more than you know right now. It'll go on in the future tens of thousands of years from now because you did have faith in him. Now, look at 1 John 4.16. Let's find out a little bit about who God is so we can fine-tune our faith and see more results. 1 John 4.16. Turn to the right, almost to the book of Revelation. John said by the Holy Ghost, and we have known, we Christians have known And is a conjunction. In other words, he ain't done yet. We have known 
and believed. Knowing isn't believing. Well, I know God loves me. I know God loves me. That's not believing he loves you when the storms come. Knowing he loves you when the storm comes does not guarantee you victory. But believing he loves you when the storm comes guarantees you absolute victory. You can know God loves you and be scared to death. But you can't believe God loves you and have all that fear. Everybody say this. Knowing isn't believing. How do you go from knowing to believing? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to hear and hear over and over again until you're fully persuaded that when a storm comes, you're actually calm. How do I know if I'm believing God? You will find out next time a storm comes. We'll check your peace level. We'll check your joy level and we'll see. And I'm not saying this to be hard or mean. I'm just saying this because we're in a, we need to be equipped in these last days. It's not pretty out there. There's coming a time real quick for some of you. It's already come where you're going to have to believe God. It's no more. Well, that would be cool to have that or it'd be cool to have this. There's coming a time you're going to have to believe God. You need to know what faith is all about before it gets really bad. So you know how to talk. You know how to rebuke. You know how to smile when you're in pain. Church, say these words. Love won't let me down. What are you doing? Well, you're bending. You're changing your thinking. And that's what needs to happen. Love won't let you down. But I just got a terminal doctor's report. Love won't let you down. Love won't let you down. What should you do? Cling with every fiber of your being to the truth that God loves you and he won't let you down. Now, personally, and when I, when I teach healing school and I have taught healing school for many years, now others teach it. I would tell the people fairly regularly that we're going to teach you how to get healed and we're going to teach you how to walk in health, but we're not doing it because we're afraid to die. Why would we be afraid to die? We get to go be with the Father. (laughs) Jesus told his disciples, because they were all bummed out, that he said, I'm going to leave you guys. I'm going to head out of here. I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to leave. And they were all bummed out. And Jesus said, you should rejoice, because I said, I'm going to be with the Father. That's good perspective. I mean, if you have a loved one that passes away, There's a few tears. We understand there's some sorrow, but my friend, not like the world. We have amazing hope, the blessed hope. We're going to see him again. Come on, remember when David's little child passed away, King David? Little child passed away and the men came to him and started talking. He said, listen, um, he can't come back to me, but I'm going to him someday. That's the blessed hope. You know, little side thought here. Um... Have you noticed how some people right now in the world are fighting tooth and nail for their worldly rights? Have you noticed they're they're almost like they're they're just some are screaming and growling. They're just just they're just they're just so upset about things in this world. You just want to say you can have it. Take it. It means that much to you. That's all you 
You know why some people are screaming, growling mad about things that are happening in our nation and, and things? You know why some are just so screaming and growling mad about their stance and their belief? Because they don't have much sight beyond this world. Do you know why some people are not screaming and growling and, and demanding their rights? You know why? Because there's another group of people that realizes this world is not my home. To depart this world and be with Christ? Are you kidding me? Far better. Far better. You can almost tell who's, who believes in God and who believes in eternal life and who doesn't. The ones that believe in God, hey, I'm not going to fight you over this. It's just a worldly thing. Sometimes I just want to say to all these people who don't love God and want to go the wrong way, I just want to say, you know what? Tell you what, we're going to do you a favor. All right, you like this world so much? Okay, we'll give it to you. But we're not giving it to you until we're done preaching the gospel to the entire world, okay? Jesus said, this gospel, the kingdom shall be preached to all the world, then the end shall come. All right, that's the big sign of the end of the the world, when this gospel is preached to all the world. So if you really want to see Jesus come back quick, get more involved with helping churches preach the gospel. Your neighbors, whoever, right? But um, what was I going to say? Yes. So basically, if, if, if the world really knew, you know, if they, if they really want this world, if they really want us out of here, if they really want to be free to do whatever they feel like doing, just let the church finish its job. We'll be out of here and then you can have it for seven years. I mean, if they really, if they really wanted us out of here, they'd let us do our job because we're not leaving until we're done. Let us do our job. Let us preach the gospel. We'll get out of here. And then you and the Antichrist and the man of sin can do what you want for seven years. But when that seven years is up, goodbye. The Lord is coming back. The landlord of this planet is coming back. The lease is about up. And when he comes back, it's over for the enemy. The Bible says when the Lord comes back, he will destroy them with the brightness of his coming. (laughs) All those that loved the lie and hated the truth. Not sure how we got off on all that, but that was really good. So first John four 16 says we have known and believed the love that God has to us. What does it say? For God is love. And he who lives in love lives in God and God in him. Now that's a whole nother seminar at the end there. We won't get into that, but just understand this. When you're living in love and you're walking in love to the degree you know, you are behind God because you're in God. And how is disease and problems going to get to you? Well, it has to go through God first. But if you're not living in love and you're out here kind of exposed to all these things, then all these things can try to happen to you. But at the same time, he will love you and deliver you if you'll just cling to him. I think we need to be more concerned about believing in the love of God than being perfect in order to receive all the things we need from heaven. Kind of like Peter, the, the big fish, you know, the big catch of fish. Right. What, what caused him to want to leave all and follow Jesus? Fear, scolding, threats. No, so much of the goodness of God that he decided, all right, 
my days of being a professional sinner are over. I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, if you would, please, we have to get to something before we're done here. Um, Turn to Romans chapter 3. And as you're turning there, if you can listen and turn at the same time, that would be awesome. I want to read you a couple things about what we've already discussed. We had Lauren Bobert here last Sunday, so we wanted to kind of do a little bit of review today, and we've done it already. But here's a couple more things I want you to know. Did anybody like Congresswoman Lauren Bobert? Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that amazing? We got some persecution on it, you know, and got a comment. Uh, I was reading a comment the other day on one of our, our uploads, and um, it was a persecution comment. And as I read it, I felt like the Lord said, son, teach the church to get ready for more persecution. And uh, tell them they might want to thank their persecutors because the the more you're persecuted for Jesus, the more you're persecuted for what's right, the more rewards you get in heaven. Sometimes you just want to write back to the persecutors, thank you, I get another reward. That's probably not what they want. You know, they probably want you feeling bad and down and depressed. I just want to write them back and say, oh, thank you for your persecution, confirming that all that live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution and that I get another reward. Thank you. That's why the apostles rejoiced when they were beaten. They realized these things. Rewards were real to them. Jesus said, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Our goal is to not get everybody to speak well of us. Our goal is to do the will of God, knowing that some people aren't going to like us at all. It's time for our true colors to shine. It's time for preaching to thunder from the pulpit. Speak the truth. Quit trying to please people. Please God. That's when people get miracles. Try to please people. People get goosebumps. You please God, people get miracles. Say that again. Preachers who try to please people get goosebumps. People get goosebumps. Ooh, that's nice. But preachers that want to please God and say what he tells them to say, people get miracles. Interesting thing about Jesus meetings and Paul's meetings and Peter's meetings. Very interesting thing. People got miracles and people got mad. (laughs) Some people got miracles. They went off dancing and shouting. Other people got so mad they wanted to crucify him. Interesting, interesting things happen when you want to please God more than people. Swords start dividing things. Things start showing up. The motives of men's hearts start to come forth. The piercings and the, and the things that are deep inside become revealed. When God's word is proclaimed. I, as a pastor, Dominic knows this, as assistant pastor, as he's moving forward in this area, we, we've realized that, you know, there's going to be pressure to compromise. But man, I tell you, compromise is the language of the devil. Get polished? Sure. Get better? Absolutely. Become a better speaker? Why not? Compromise? Never. Never compromise the message. The box that you carried in, red, blue, clear, crystal, whatever. Uh, The method, whatever, but the message. Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, 
Jesus when the sun goes down. Faith in God in the morning. Faith in God in the noontime. Faith in God when the sun goes down. And all through the night, faith in God, faith in God. Faith, what are you going to do? I'm going to believe God's word's true. What are you going to do? I'm going to just act like the Bible's true. What are you going to do? I'm going to act like the Bible's true. Meteorite, act like the Bible's true. Cancer, act like the Bible's true. Depression, act like the Bible's true. Guns, act like the Bible's true. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you got to be that way. The big deal is taking what you get in church home with you and meditating out throughout the week so you actually develop in these things and not just get excited on Sundays. The more we understand God's love for us, the more ridiculous it is to think that sickness is his way of teaching. We need to learn to receive what we don't deserve. Don't think you know this. So many people unconsciously slip into the earning mode. And the more you try to earn God's blessings, the further away you get from God's blessings. Remember I said we need to work on realizing we don't have to work for the blessings. Love won't let us down. God's going to help you because he's an amazing father, not because you are perfect, not because you've always done good. He's going to take care of you because he's a great father. We're talking about faith in love. We can expect help from God because he's good, not because we've always been good. Faith and love is how we can receive help from God when we were the cause of our problem. Now, you know why we're talking about faith and love? I personally believe one of, if not the greatest hindrance to people receiving help from God is a sense of unworthiness and a sense of lack of faith, which go hand in hand. Well, how many of you know you can't be thinking about your unworthiness and his blood at the same time? And if you're thinking about his blood, you're thinking about mercy because the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the mercy seat for our sins. Where the blood is sprinkled, where the mercy of God is, that's where God met them. Come on, if you're trying to get your blessing some other way, you are not where he is. He is on the mercy seat. That's where the presence of God appeared in the tabernacle. And the real one is still in heaven. And Jesus presented his own blood there. He is the propitiation, the mercy seat for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And the Bible says it's through faith in his blood that gets you a meeting with God to get all your needs met. So if you're looking for your healing over here because of all your great works and all your great church attendance and all your great whatever... God's over here on the mercy seat saying, I'm over here where the blood is. If you want your healing, you better come where the blood is. It's sprinkled on the mercy seat. The blood is on the mercy seat. That's where your healing is. That's where your divine protection is. That's where everything you need is. It's on the mercy seat. And if you're looking for your victory or your deliverance from any, any other way, you're missing your deliverance. We get blessed because his blood was shed. You say, well, pastor, I don't know if the Lord wants me healed. Too late. He already shed his blood. <laughs> it's too late. He already wants you healed, already provided for it. Faith and love is how we can receive help from God from the problems we caused. 
God sent his word to heal you and to deliver you from your destructions. We can't earn what we need. And if we try, we'll never get it. We can't earn what we need from the Lord. And if we try to earn it, we'll never get it because it's only by grace through faith that your needs are met. Hey, do good. Go to church every time the doors are open. Don't cuss. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Right. Don't watch stupid movies. Be nice to people. But don't ever rely on that stuff to get your healing. Are you getting away from your healing? There are testimonies after testimony after testimony. People are confounded. They're they're confused. And I don't know why it's so clear. They just read the Bible. Why this sinner man, this Christian who backslides every other week, how come they got healed of a terminal disease and sister so-and-so who's perfect in church attendance, works in children's church, does all the right things, never cusses, never drinks, doesn't chew, doesn't smoke, dies of a tumor. It's easy. You can't rely on your goodness is why you receive help from God. I mean, you remember the story? Two, two people went up to pray, right? One of them was a sinner and a publican who went to pray and he fell on his knees and beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then this religious person came down to pray and said, God, I thank you. I'm not like this sinner. I pay tithes every week. I do this and I do that. And Jesus says, which one do you think is going to get blessed? Not the self-righteous guy, but the sinner who acknowledged his sins, cried out for mercy, and got delivered. You got to watch out about trusting in your goodness is why God should bless you. Be good. Are you kidding me? Be righteous. Get some rewards later. Get some rewards from God. But when it comes to salvation, healing, and deliverance, quit trying to earn because the more you try to earn, the further away you get. Now, I'm going to say this. I said it last week. It blew me away that I said it. No one in the sound of my voice, listen closely, no one in the sound of my voice has to pray one more prayer, do one more good deed, read one more Bible chapter to be healed or get a miracle from God immediately. And if you think you do, You're pausing your own deliverance. You're pushing the pause button yourself. You and I don't have to do one more thing. If you you realize what Jesus has done for you, then you've got everything. I was driving the church this morning, you know, because I wasn't flying. (laughs) Um, Someday we will. Um, I was driving to church this morning and, and I got to thinking about how, oh Lord, can I say that? I'm getting off track here. Yep, let's get back on track. Plus, I forgot part of what I was going to say. So turn, turn to Romans chapter 3. It might come back if it's important, it will. Uh, Romans chapter 3. I told you to turn there. And so when I, when I say these three words, faith and love, what does that mean to you? Can I tell you what it should mean to you? When you hear the words faith and love, see, I know some of you are going through challenges. Some of you are going to go through challenges and you need to have this in your spirit to a degree so that your response to the bad things that try to happen to you is proper. And it's actually a way the Lord can help you 
if your response is right. God not helping people is not, he doesn't want to help them. It's they turn somewhere else. They, they turn some other direction. They get on some other road. That's not the Lord saying, I don't want to help you. That's people turning, wrong, turning down a wrong road, going down the worry road, the fear road instead of the faith road. But here's what faith and love should mean to you. It means when you have faith in love, you don't worry about God not coming through for you. Even if the problem feels 10 times bigger, you don't worry. This is where you can tell where you're at in faith and love. Faith and love means we don't worry about past sins and mistakes keeping us from the good things of life. One more time. Faith and love means we don't worry about past sins and mistakes keeping us from the good things of life. Man, if this thing was based on good works, we are of all men most miserable. Faith in love is ready. Faith in love means we keep expecting God's promises to show up in our life and we quit looking at our past track record to see if we qualify or not. I'm going to read that again. Faith in love means we keep expecting God's promises to show up in our life and we quit looking at our past track record to see if we qualify or not. You want to see a miracle? Have faith in the mercy of God. Now, if you will study the New Testament, you will find that Jesus marveled at two things and two things only. How do you get the creator of the universe to marvel at something a human being does? But we're not only human, remember, part human. How, how, how does the creator of the universe marvel at something we do? He's created solar systems. Right? He knows everything right down to the atoms, atoms, right? He, he, how, do we, how, do, how do you impress God? Two ways. Faith and unbelief. The unbelief is a negative impression. A negative marveling. Faith was a positive marvel. And listen closely. There's only two people I see in the whole New Testament that marveled Jesus because of their faith. Each one of these people, the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman, listen closely. Both of them had a revelation. I need something from the Lord I'm not worthy of. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should even come under my roof. What is that? That's recognition that I don't deserve this, but I'm believing he's going to give it to me anyway. Because he's a professional goodness guy. This is his profession. This is his life. It's nature. The Syrophoenician woman needed help for her daughter who was grievously vexed and harassed by a demon at home. She decides to go to church anyway, get in the presence of Jesus. How many know there's times you need to go to church anyway, even though you got stuff at home that you got to deal with? Because she went to church anyway, got to Jesus, and the power of God went from where they were to home and set the girl free. But now notice, it said, the woman said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on me. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Have mercy on me. And this woman 
was from a place that was known for sinful living. And what's interesting about it is he said, oh, woman, great is your faith. What's great faith? It's faith for something you know you could not earn or deserve. This is called great faith by the master himself. The, the, the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy. You should come under my roof. Just speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Well, the man got totally healed. And Jesus said, this guy right here, you see this guy right here who's got a revelation that he's not even worthy that I should come under his roof. This man right here coming to me for something he knows he doesn't deserve. This man coming to me right now asking me for something that he could never merit or earn. This, this right, I've not found so great faith, not even in the whole country of Israel. Among all the Jewish people, all the Hebrews, everybody, he said, I haven't found greater faith than this Roman soldier right here who had a revelation that I don't deserve it, but I'm believing you're going to give it to me anyway. You want great faith? Have great faith in his mercy and his grace to give you what you know you could never earn. That's called the greatest faith the whole New Testament talks about. Realizing I don't qualify, but because of your goodness, you're going to give it to me anyway. And he did. Both of them got total healing and total deliverance. Oh, boy. Last week, I got to right where I wanted to get now before we could hear, hear what I really feel like we need to hear today. <laughs> I've got three minutes. I got less than three minutes because we have communion today. Um, I'll tell you what. We will pause. Um, we can always come back next week. We do need to talk a little bit more. And I, I'm thinking it'll be next week. It may be later, but I, I'm thinking we're going to stay on this. The Lord told me, he says, son, please don't stop preaching a service until, it, until it's in the people's blood. Because if they forget it and they go on their way and they don't respond any different when attacks come, then what good was a sermon anyway? Would you all just say this with me to kind of activate your faith? Say this. I have faith. In the, in the love of God. His love will not let me down. I'll not worry if I hear bad news because I won't doubt your love. I believe in the love that God has for me. Say this sickness and disease has to leave my life little by little or all at once. One way or the other, I believe in the love of God in this area to take care of me. I'll not worry and I'll not fear. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but a great, great chunk of faith is simply not worrying. Not worrying is powerful. And how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you interpret not doing something as being powerful? Not worrying because you believe God's not going to let you down is as powerful as it gets. Wait, but how is not doing something powerful? It's because of what you're not clogging. Worry clogs faith. We're not going to worry. Why, why are we not going to worry in the midst of vicious storms? Why are we not going to worry when everything's dark and black and it feels like you're going to die and demons are all around you? Why, why not worry? Why not worry? 
because I am more than a conqueror over all this junk through him that loves me. To think you might not make it through is to doubt his love for you. Let's receive communion over these things. Ushers, you want to come forward? Carl, if you wouldn't mind taking this side of the stage. Let's reverence this time, church. Let's be respectful as we partake of the Lord's Supper. All right, brother. Here you go, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. And we'll give one to you right there. Go serve the people. Thank you. Before you eat or drink, let's all wait. I'll let you know when the proper time is. We can all do it together as a family. So as they're passing out the elements, let's just ponder some of these things. Father, we thank you that the broken body of Jesus provides healing for everyone. Thank you, Lord. It's not our perfection that allows us to be healed. It's your broken body that allows us to be healed. It didn't say by our good works we were healed. It said by your stripes we were healed. We believe in good works. We thank you for good works. We praise you for the ability to do good works. But, Father, it didn't say good works have redeemed us from the curse of the law. It says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. It didn't say we're redeemed by our goodness. It says we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. We're redeemed by the blood that you shed. Lord, to try to add to that would be wrong. We're not going to try to add our good works or our perfections to reasons why we could be healed, reasons why we could be free from depression. It's by your blood and your blood only. What can wash away our sins? Somebody tell me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Somebody answer that. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. When the plague, the epidemic hit Egypt. Now church, listen closely to this. When the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt before Moses delivered them. The Bible says a plague came by one night, an epidemic. And the New Testament says this. These things that happened to Israel in Egypt, in the desert, in the promised land. It said these things that happened to them were examples for us upon whom the ends of the world are come. So we can look back to Egypt and see some things that we can learn and have faith for in the time we're living in. Epidemics were released. The destroyer came to them. How many of you know there's some things that are destructive today around us? I don't know if it's the end. Jesus said these are the beginning of sorrows. I do believe the rapture is going to happen before the worst of it. And we're going to be plucked out of here, praise God. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. But now listen closely. No evil shall befall us. Neither shall any plague come near our dwelling. Only with our eyes we'll behold and see the reward of the wicked. Right? Angels are real. The blood of Jesus has not lost its power. And the Lord said, listen, 
I'm telling you right now in advance, there's a plague coming and it's deadly. It's going to kill a lot of people. But for those of you that apply the blood of the lamb on the lintels and the doorposts of the house, when that destroyer comes to destroy you, God said, I will stop him. I will not allow the destroyer. That plague will have to pass over your house. You following me? Notice the Lord didn't say now plagues coming. I want you to pin up a list of your good works. Tick, 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 tick. I want you to pin up a list of your qualifications and college degrees and all these things you earn. I want you to pin up a, a, a list of your church attendance, your perfect church attendance. And when the destroyer comes, he won't destroy you. No. What can protect us from all this stuff? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I know there's some people that say, let's take the vaccine. Some people say, I'm not taking the vaccine. It's more harmful than good. Well, listen, listen, take the vaccine. Don't take the vaccine. You better get under the blood because it's nothing but the blood. Because just soon as your vaccine is in your body, something else is going to come your way. You only need another vaccine for and another vaccine and another vaccine. Do what your conscience tells you to do. Be led by the spirit. Don't worry about it either way. But you better be under the blood. And the blood did not work for them until they applied it. How do we apply the blood today? Well, you declare, I have faith in the blood. We were going to read a scripture. It talks about faith in his blood. Gets you the things you need in life. It causes you to be where God is, where your blessing is, where your healing is, where your protection is. Friend, I, I have no problem people getting guns. I have no problem. If I could, I'd park a tank out front of our church, you know, have such a strong security. We don't need to use it, right? But that's not what's going to protect us because the Bible says, though the horse is prepared for the day of battle, you put your cartridge in, you could lock and load. Still, you're gone or safety's of the Lord. If you're not with the Lord, there's still no, you, 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 you got your gun, right? Your, your, what do they call those guns? F-15s, F, what are they called? Huh? AR-15. You got your AR-15. You think, ah, I'm safe now. And then you look, oh, oh, there's a bazooka right in front of me. Yeah, that's right. And then you get the bazooka and all of a sudden there's a laser guided jet missile coming your way. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Can you really get big enough weapon? Safety is ultimately of the Lord. Right. You and I need a greater awareness in this hour of the precious blood of Christ, yes. who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God and through this blood purge your conscience from dead works so you can serve the living God. No more guilt, no more consciousness of sin. You can't be thinking about your past sin and him at the same time. I say, think about him and he'll take care of the sin and it'll build your faith to receive whatever you need. I know we, we uh, won't mention this in just a second, but the Lord gave Carl and I an idea about helping people stay more aware of the precious blood of Christ. And that's what that whole table out there is all about. I believe it's I'm covered by the blood awareness month. Uh, Let's scratch the word month. It's covered by the blood awareness forever. You don't want this just to last a month. And there's some things we've, we've, the Lord's helped us to design that we'd like to get into people's hands too. 
But before we even go there, how many of you are thankful that by his stripes you were healed? So let's go ahead and just relax. Father, on the night you were betrayed, you took bread. Jesus, you took bread. You broke it. You gave it to your disciples and you said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Paul said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death till he come. Well, he hasn't come back yet. So we're still doing this, remembering affectionately what he did for us. Father, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for allowing your body to be whipped and broken so our bodies can be healed. You didn't say it's by our good works. It's by our amazing faith confessions, although those are great. You said it's by your stripes that we were healed. Well, we fully, completely, 100% lean on that as our reason for expecting healing to show up in our bodies. Jesus, we eat this bread now as a family, saying thank you forever that by your broken body, our bodies were healed. Let's thank him, church, as we eat. On the night you were betrayed, Lord, you took the cup, you blessed it, you gave thanks, and you said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. The entire New Testament belongs to us because of the blood of Jesus. Every promise, every blessing, thank you, Lord. You said this was, your blood was shed for the remission of sins, and we claim that. We claim our sins washed away, not, not just blotted, not, not just white out. Lord, you washed our sins away. And by your blood, we've been redeemed from pain, infections, diseases, curses, cancers. I heard the Spirit of God tell me this earlier this week. He said, son, cancer is not going to kill people in your church. You're going to kill cancer in this church. You're going to kill it. You're the ones on the side of authority and power. Cancer is not going to kill us. We kill cancer in Jesus. Just like Jesus cursed the fig tree and it died, we curse cancer in Jesus' name. And we command it to suffocate and leave the body of Christ to stay away. And so, Lord, by your blood, we claim redemption from sin. We claim redemption from the curse of the law. We claim redemption from all iniquity. We claim freedom from everything that came into this earth through sin and Satan. Thank you, Lord. Let's drink as a church family and be thankful. Thank you, Father God. Father, we're so thankful. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 